I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Best thing I saw since the last time we were together on this podcast, Steve Burstick, was the drafting of Isaac Howard by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not that it was the greatest pick in the world. I really don't know how good of a player he is or not. But if he can play as half as good as he can dress and talk, I am all about the Iceman. <laughs> this guy's phenomenal, man. When you see every other draft pick there wearing a suit, <laughs> tie, nice butt, collared shirt, etc., and he comes walking down in a white suit with a turtleneck, uh-huh. big chain around it, and a big American flag belt buckle. And he, that's how he comes walking down. And then he gets interviewed by Emily Kaplan, ESPN, and others. And they ask, tell us about your outfit. He says, well, I'm the best-looking guy here, so i got to dress the best. <laughs> yeah, he was dressed to impress. No better time to whip out the white suit. Um, he went on and had some beauties. He's an 18-year-old kid from, uh, from Hudson, Wisconsin, uh, and he was the, the Lightning's first pick, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, his interview, I mean, he's, first of all, he's, you know, 18-year-old, right? I mean, what was I saying at 18 years old if somebody stuck a mic in my face? Um, but he was just so into the moment and has so much swag. Um, this guy's a left shot, left wing, uh, was on the U.S. Uh, National Team Development Program uh, under 18. He scored a ton of points there. It it, it just, he's, he was so refreshing. And, and just his swag, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen the first time he gets on the ice with NHL players, like real legit NHL players. I have a feeling he's not going to be uh, the prettiest guy uh, by the time the chicklets are, are rolling out of his head at some point. Um, but he he was just he was the star of the of the draft. I mean, you know, and and knew about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Started talking about Tampa Bay and and Kucherov and all of that. Um, I'm just waiting for the time when he goes up to Kucherov and says. You can be my wingman anytime, Coach. <laughs> I think we know well, his response. Number yeah. one BS. Number one BS. Yeah, number one BS. You can be mine. Um, yeah, just just first, I mean, the nickname itself, I mean, what do you want for a hockey player, right? The Iceman. But we remember the Top Gun movie and Top Gun Maverick, um, you know, when uh, that character was, was about as cocky as you could be and the best the best pilot in the Navy and, and knew it and uh, – you know, didn't have any problems telling everybody about it. I don't know how does that play. I mean, when you get when you get to this level now, now you said that he's uh, he's likely headed to college, right? He's going to play for what Minnesota. He's committed to Minnesota Duluth, who was in Duluth. the Frozen Four this year. Okay, so um, he'll most likely go to college this year, and maybe for a couple of years. We'll see how development yeah. goes. Hockey's yeah. a little different in that you could be drafted. The team will still have your rights for four years if you go to college. And you okay. can sign it any time after any season, you know, after next or maybe it's two, three. And we've seen some Lightning players. Alex Kalorn went to Harvard for a couple seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Andre Schuster was at uh, Nebraska-Omaha. Uh, and they've had a few others, too. There Actually, there's a couple free agents 
at Minnesota this year that they drafted four years ago that are not going to sign with the Lightning will become free agents, Sammy Walker oh. and Cole Gutman. Oh, wow. Um, guys that have been prospects of theirs for four years but decided not to join the organization. So, um, But, uh, I mean, his, his attitude and his swag, how it plays, I think it depends on how he carries himself in the locker room. And, you know, from all indications, it's not, you know, he's got confidence in his game and that, but he's a good teammate. He's a good a good player and, and, you know, fits in well with his team. I mean, you know, I don't think it any of that matters until, you know, unless you make it a problem in the locker room, which it doesn't seem like this kid does. So, Yeah. It sounds like uh, I was trying, I was trying to read who he, who he compares to, you know, everybody wants to know um, who's this guy compare you to. And according to the NHL, they do these little thumbnails. Um, is it uh, St. Louis blues, the forward uh, Jordan? Is it, is it Cairo? Yeah. Jordan Cairo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, third line wing, he had 75 points, 27 goals in 74 games last season. You would take that. You'd sign up for that right now. Absolutely. No, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you know, the Lightning, the Lightning could have traded down at that point, which yeah, they didn't. The 31st overall. Yeah, right? I mean, you're picking 31st. So it's the first time they've actually had a first round pick since 2019. That's right. Um, and, and they don't have first round picks the next two years, I don't believe either. They've already traded those away. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as getting guys like Brendan Hagel and Nick Paul, and, and you know, before that, Blake Coleman and Barclay Goodrow, they were trading a lot of these picks. So uh, he'll have prospect camp starting today for the Lightning, which is open to the public at the TGH Health Iceplex in Brandon. Uh, they have uh, practices today and tomorrow, and then they have their three on three tournaments uh, Wednesday and Thursday. All that's open to the public too out there. So. Yeah, well, it, it was uh, it was fun to watch him, and I love the outfit. And, and uh, of course, you know, the Lightning are not shy about their wardrobes. They all uh, got some sharp dressers, sharp dressed men on that team. So you have to continue to step it up. Uh, just like the Iceman, uh, you're trying to stay cool in your home, and to do that, it's going to run the electric bill up. Mine was uh, starting to go through the roof, and I'm going to have to do something. And I'm going to consider uh, calling May Electric Solar because they're a family owned and operated business they install solar electric systems have been doing it for 12 years now in a field where there's many fly-by-night companies may electric solar is committed to you for the long term they guarantee their workmanship for 30 years labor and service warranty plus with every install you get 750 dollars worth of surge protection for all your appliances that's the may difference right there now if you visit their hudson showroom May Electric uh, displays all of its products and conducts on-site testing so you can see exactly what they install. Plus, and this is big, folks, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the work. So start saving today. Call the solar energy company experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate and lower your electric bill all year long and preserve your quality of life and Preserve your appliances as well. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, so not a great weekend, to say the very least, for the Tampa Bay Rays. They concluded what was their longest road trip of the year in terms of games anyway. Um, But when they went to Cincinnati against a last-place Cincinnati Reds team, it figured to be fairly easy pickings. And instead, uh, they were swept in three straight games in horrific fashion. Let's start with what was Friday night's balk-off um steve what did you think of that uh obviously you know they they lose on, on a on a balk which you hate to have an umpire decide a game but there was some movement of the glove um what'd you make of that whole scenario there i thought it's an awful way to decide a game 
Mm-hmm. Although, it, 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 you know, you could sit there and say it cost them the game, but there were still first and third with one out in the 10th. Sure, sure. And so all they needed was a run. You don't know what would have played out afterwards. The home plate umpire can't see that his his right hand that's got the ball in it is still spinning the ball on his hip, yep. not even close to set, which every runner could see and the third and first base umpires could see. So when he moves his glove, and he did it with a little more than usual, his typical move to shake off a sign, Yeah, the home plate umpire called a ball. Everybody else knew it wasn't a ball. Right. But the home plate umpire, because he can't see that hand spinning, which he was nowhere close to set. Yeah. You know, the ball's not well, even he had resting not begun his, his mm-hmm. He had not begun his motion to the plate and then stopped, right? I mean, well, so what he's they saying could, the glove was that. But if you could see his other hand, which the runners could, you knew yeah. he, he wasn't even close to He wasn't beginning yet. his motion at yeah. all, no. Yeah. he. If anything, and I don't know that he, that he does this, but some pitchers would use to shake off signs rather than shake their head. They'd use their glove and sweep it and say, give me another sign. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I think by the letter of the, the book, the rule, was it a balk? Yes. Are you calling that in the 10th inning of a game like that? When it, and like I said, the other if you would ask the other umpires, they would have said he wasn't set. Right. Everybody, I mean, every runner could see that ball in his right hand, yeah. spinning it, because until he gets the sign he wants, then he starts getting his grip. Yeah. Had he begun his had he begun his wind up and stopped? Had he yeah. begun his motion to to the plate or done anything to begin the process of throwing the ball? And I, it's clear that he didn't. Um, even though there was movement of his glove, uh, and that was that was uh, that was Whistler, right? Mm-hmm. Was it Matt Whistler that yep. was on the on the mound? Yep. Um, and he pitched the next day, and I watched him. He kept that glove very very still after that. So he certainly he certainly didn't want a a recreation of that situation. Um, yeah, it was it was a you know you did you don't go to Cincinnati after uh, you know they had had the success they did in Boston, and for that matter in Toronto, winning three out of five, and they were on a bit of a roll. I think they were five and three on the road trip, and you're expecting to at least win that series. And they go down three straight times, and you know two of them are in walk off fashion, uh, which was tough Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday, Shane Boz got lit up um, in like the third inning, I think it was. Well, he got lit up, but let's talk about what happened beforehand. Oh so yeah, on the top of the third inning. Well, first of all, in the first inning, right? He said first and third, nobody out and can't score. Don't score. Mm-hmm. The third inning. Taylor Walls gets a single. Should be first and third with two outs. With yep. your cleanup hitter coming up. Taylor Walls batting third. Batting third. Taylor mm-hmm. Walls has the play in front of him. The ball's in right field, and he goes too far off first base and gets picked off. Terrible base running. And so again. the inning's over. You don't get any runs there either. When yep. You should have had first and third again. And then it was the bottom of the third that Boz gives up three home runs. Yeah. And all of a sudden, as Andy Freed put it on the radio call, touchdown Reds. <laughs> yeah. Seven to nothing. Good luck coming back from that. They did chip away at one point. I think it was seven to three, um, but they wind up losing um, in in grand fashion. Well, the, I, the Rays can't even do the Rays on this in this road trip, or at least in, the, in in Cincinnati, couldn't do anything right, including they couldn't pitch Brett Phillips to save their pitching because they got home true. runs in the in the top of the eighth inning, right? And now they were within five runs. And the new rule is you have to be more than six runs ahead to pitch a, a position player. Uh, to pitch a position player, yeah. Yeah, so as Josh Lowe and Renee Pinto get home runs, Brett Phillips can't pitch now. And so you had can't to bring Ryan Thompson in. And let me just say, the best thing that uh, that Phillips does is pitch right now because I he is not producing 
anything at the plate. He's a strikeout waiting to happen. I mean, and now this team is striking out way too much. At one point, they were making contact. Even Taylor Walls, after getting picked off, he wound up uh, 0 for, well, not 0 for 4, but he wound up with four strikeouts, the pickoff at first. Oh, yeah, and then, by the way, um, wouldn't speak to reporters, in this case, a couple of reporters, after the game in Cincinnati, which I understand you're frustrated. I, and, and Taylor Walls is batting a buck something, you know, and he's he's now going back to being the everyday shortstop. We'll get into the the big news that we've buried is the horrific injuries that the Rays continue to sustain, none worse than Wander Franco, who's going to miss six to eight weeks with a hand fracture. But, you know, you're a big league ball player, man. Like, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. If you're involved in a good play, a bad play, they're going to come after you when you get the game-winning base hit, and and the same is true if you make an egregious base running mistake and strike out three, uh, four times. And he was batting third in the lineup, which was curious in and of itself. I think Cash was trying to go, you know, righty lefty, righty lefty as much as he could with a left hander on the mound. The walls is a switch hitter, but you know, it, it just. I think I think he'd like to have that decision back. I mean, Taylor, I've talked to him. You you've probably talked to him in the clubhouse before, Steve, or heard him. He's He's an affable guy. He's, you know, mm-hmm. there's no nobody's been more cooperative, really. Um, but it just is out of character for him not to speak. And he wasn't, you know, the reason they lost the game, or you know, he certainly didn't contribute to their win. Um, but Taylor Walls is going to have to step in now and play everyday shortstop. And I don't know what to make of Wander Franco. Um, you know, he's a superstar in waiting. Uh, he proved that in the few games that he played a year ago. Uh, was clutch in the playoffs, all of that. One of the few guys that's, that hit the ball when he came back to the lineup after uh, the long time off to you know to improve the hamstring or the quad injury. He made a big difference immediately in that lineup, but he can't stay on the field. And you know he's a young ball player, very young. He's hopefully going to have a long career here, and he signed a long term extension. But by the same token, man, you you just. You know, you just snake bit this season. You hope it's just one season. You hope that this is mm-hmm. just, you know, it's, it's so early in his career, you're not going to label him anything. But I don't think, you know, with their injuries, I don't even know how, like if the if the playoffs were today and they're not, clearly, they would be in. They would be a wild card team. Now, Barely, the, Orioles yes. have, the Orioles have won eight in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're only like three games behind them. Um, and, you know, they're all bunched up after the Yankees, which are just running away with baseball. But I I just don't – if you look at their lineup, there are five guys that are not available to them, five position players at the, at the start of the year they were counting on, and none of them are in the lineup. And they've gotten great contributions from Paredes, and you know maybe Josh Lowe starts to, to heat up a little bit. He had a home run uh, and a couple hits, a couple knocks on Sunday. Um, but, man, this, this Rays farm system and, and the whole organization is really being tested now, aside from the pitching, which – you know, uh, wasn't able to lock it down on Saturday. Their bullpen, they burned through a lot of relievers. I think they used eight pitchers uh, the other night. So, you know, even the bullpen looks fatigued at this point. So, look, the Wander Franco, let's start with that. Yeah. I wonder with the beginning of the year, the injury was the hamstring, the quad, the yep. the legs. This year, because of the lockout, right? it was three and a half months of players training on their own. Yeah. And we saw lots of core and muscle injuries early in the season yeah unsupervised training and, and, yeah. and you know so if you're looking at if is wander an injury prone individual 
I'll chalk up a lot of those early season injuries, particularly the core or the muscles or things like that, to you were training on your own. And, and yes, they have trainers in this, but the teams have very specific regimens they want players to stay on. For over 100 days, they could not talk to their players. You could not instruct them. You could not check in on how they were doing. You came to spring training, and you're hoping they're in shape. You're hoping they did well. You're hoping what they did what you probably told them to do before the lockout started. Right. But you have no way of knowing what they did. And right. sure, they can tell you what they did, but did they really? Did they? You don't know. And so... I, I don't early season injuries like that. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily your injury prone. Now, he may get hurt like that in years future too, and maybe he is. I, I can't tell you that. Now, the hamate bone injury in the wrist. It's not an uncommon injury that happens, right? So I don't. You know, I don't know if he's injury prone. He's having a bad injury season for sure. And you know, you'd like to see him out there, and you need his bat out there. You need you need his glove out there. His defense, yeah. I mean, Neil Solons asked the question today, and so we looked it up. Give me the top war players wins above replacement for the Rays last season. So we looked it up. Number one was Brandon Lau. He's been on the IL for two months now. Although went two for two for Durham the other mm-hmm. night. So yes. well, hopefully he's back, back after maybe. the All-Star break. Yeah. But Randy Rosarina, okay, he's, he's in your lineup doing well. Joey Wendell was third, not on your team anymore. Miami. Yeah. Mike Zeno's fourth on the IL, not maybe out team. for a while. Wander Franco is fifth on the IL. Kevin mm. Kiermeyer sixth on the IL. Mm. Manuel Margot, seventh on the IL. Yeah. Brett Phillips, eighth, having a bad season. Right. Austin Meadows, ninth, not on your team. Traded, yeah. And Yandy Diaz, ten. You have three of your top ten war players from last year in your lineup now. That's it. Yeah. That's that's hard to win. As you said, five regulars out Kiermeyer, Margot, Lau, Franco, and Zanino. Five yeah. of your eight starters or everyday players. Close yeah. to every day as as the Rays yeah. will get. Catching maybe, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kiermeyer takes some days off because you have Margot in that. But yeah, right. they basically have five five of their eight starters out right now. And yeah. it's a, it's a grind for them. And if their pitching wasn't so fantastic, I mean the Yankees and Dodgers are dominating the pitching stats. The next two teams are the Astros and the Rays. Yeah. And the other three teams have are, are winning a lot and, and are doing well. The Rays are scuffling, but their pitching has kept them in it, and it's been amazing. Yeah, it has. I, I think their bullpen's getting a little fatigued, um, you know, but, yeah, their pitching has carried them. Now Jeffrey just, Springs goes on the IL. Yeah, that, that was another one. That was. I mean, think about it. This is a terrible weekend for them, not just because of the, the three games to Cincinnati, but then all the injuries. And they come home now, and they play the Boston Red Sox. Um, we're you know coming off a series with the Yankees, and of course they had success at Fenway. They t- they tend to get up you know to play teams like Boston and New York, and not that they were not into it against Cincinnati. I, I, you know, a couple of those games they really hit the ball. Um, they they just couldn't get the hits when they needed them, and you know they still are getting some contributions from some guys. I mean, you know, Paredes. I mean, he came out of nowhere. I mean, the, the you know the silver lining to all this is guys are getting a chance to play, mm-hmm. and. They're getting their opportunity, and some of them, some of them, are making the best of it. Some are not. Harold Ramirez um, has been fantastic. Been terrific. Yeah, who thought he was a three hundred hitter? Yeah, particularly since June first, he's like second in the American League in hitting, I think. Yeah, and driving in runs like crazy, and um, so they've they've got some, you know, they got they found some bats, you know, to kind of keep them competitive with that pitching staff. They just can't keep keep everybody healthy enough to do it. 
one guy that's done it, and congratulations to him, Shane McClanahan headed to the All-Star game, possibly as the starter. I mean, I've heard a lot about Justin Verlander. Uh, Shohei Atani would be a, maybe a choice based on when these guys' last outing is supposed to be. Well, part um, of it is Dusty Baker's the manager. Yeah. So who's his starting pitcher? Sure. Justin He's got to go with Justin Verlander, yeah. And the Otani part is the game's in L.A. It's not at Angel right. Stadium. It's in it's in Los Angeles. Right. Oh, baseball, I think, would love Otani to start that game. Of course. Now, whether, you know, Shane McClanahan's been the best pitcher in the American League this year. No question. He deserves to start the game. I don't know if he will. Yeah. But he deserves it. He's been he's been lights out. Yeah. I mean, you know, he lost, I mean, he didn't lose the game. The Balkoff game, I mean, it was 1-1. They gave up the one innings. I mean, he was fantastic yeah. again. I mean, that was that was a tremendous pitching matchup. Luis Castillo against Shane McClanahan. Yeah, they were that both great. That was a great. fantastic matchup pitching-wise. I want to say he I don't know how many in a row this is either 8 or 9 games. I don't know that he's given up two or fewer runs. Um, and pitched, you know, six plus innings, but um, he's doing stuff that has not been done. And think about this name by a left-hander since Randy Johnson, since the big unit. I mean, that you know, that's saying something, man. You're talking about a Hall of Famer. Uh, you're talking about one of the best lefties in baseball history, right? And this guy is four wipeout pitches, all for strikes. 100-mile-an-hour fastball when he reaches back. And of late, like for a month now or more, he goes out there in every game, you know he's going to give up maybe one run, maybe two at the most, and he's going to keep you in every single game. Unfortunately, they haven't scored a ton of runs or his record would be better. But record aside, he goes out there and dominates. Um, you know, high, high. I don't know if he's leading the, the, uh, the American League in strikeouts, but he's really close to it if he's not. Yeah, Shane McClanahan does lead uh... – uh, pit, uh, strikeouts. He's got 141 on the season now. Corbin Jeez. Burns is at 134 behind him. But more impressively, Friday night was the 11th consecutive start he's made of six innings pitched or more, seven strikeouts or more, and two earned runs or fewer. 11 straight. That's two or the longest single-season streak in AL history. Oh, my God. Third longest in the majors since data became available in 1901. Randy Johnson had 14 <laughs> in 1999. And Mike Scott had 12 in 1986. I mean, think of these names. I mean, these are guys that had the greatest seasons in Major League history that we're talking about. And McClanahan is actually right there with him. I mean, what he has done. And we, you know, beginning of the season is kind of like, well, wonder how he'll handle being the ace, going against the number one every night. Mentally, he kind of, you know, he kind of beats himself up. All I know is he's a strike thrower, uh, 100 mile an hour fastball, curve slider, changeup all for strikes, all command. He shows all of them, sometimes in the same at bat. As a hitter, there's very little you can do if he's locating at all um, with that array of pitches, especially when a guy can throw 100 at any point. And so, you know, his strike throwing has been amazing. And just, he's a bulldog, you know? Like, you can see it out there. He doesn't want to give up a run. You know, he gave up a home run the other night, and that was all they got off of him. And he was so ticked about that, but... The guy's a perfectionist, and he's an artist, man, and he's out there painting corners and, you know, has just taken this role. Um, and I would say, what, David Price, since the last time they've had an ace of this sort of, you know, consistency maybe? I would say consistency. I mean, Chris Archer had a, a month or two run. That he was had a phenomenal. run, yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, and some of the numbers of strikeouts, and that he's been compared to Archer as the most recent, David Price as well. Sure. But, I, I mean, it, it wouldn't take that much for, uh, you know, a, another two seasons like this or similar. And you could call yeah. him the greatest pitcher in race history, maybe. Yeah. I mean, what he's doing is just phenomenal. Um, and at this age, too, I mean, that's what really impresses you, is you expect him to get better. Yeah. And he's got competition. I mean, obviously, you mentioned Verlander might start the All-Star game, maybe Otani, and, and what those guys have done is, is incredible, especially Otani, which I, I still can't believe, you know, we're, we're living in an era where a guy can do this on both at the plate and on the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he plays for And yet you know, his team, team is still so bad. They're bad. We, they got two of the greatest players in, in Major League history. I mean, in, you know, in Trout and him. But, um, but aside from that, I mean, you know, McClanahan – um, you know, dessert. He he obviously has pitched well enough to start the All Star game, but he's gonna he's he's if he kids keeps this up, he's gonna make several All Star games. And the the cool thing about it is, right from University of South Florida, you know, mm-hmm. um, obviously the first USF player to play in an All Star game. I think Mark Tompkin wrote the other day. Um, but you know, just just a great story, man, and homegrown kind of uh, from from the USF. It's just kind of neat um, to see him work. So that that was a bright spot. Kind of over the weekend, and in, in, in a weekend that was not not a, heavy with many bright spots. What at a all. weird road trip! So they lose the oh. first two in Toronto badly, yeah. got smacked. Yeah. yeah. Then they come back and win three straight in Toronto in that five game series, right? And they score eight runs, or you know, average eight runs. Bats come games alive. Yeah. And have eight home runs over that. Then they yeah. go to Boston on on Independence Day and put up two hits. Got two hitted, yeah. But then. Then the bats come alive again against Boston, and you win the next two. You're five and three going to Cincinnati, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, the worst we can be is what, like seven and four in this road trip, something like that. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, let's say you even go one and two, right? You're still six and five on the road trip on your longest road trip it. of the year. Yeah. The third stop in a road trip is always hard. You don't make sure. many three game three stop road trips in the season, maybe two or three. Sure, it's always a grind. But you're playing the Reds. You think you should be able to at least win one. I mean, you, you go in going, just, just, take, just take two. Take two against this team and, and come home. And you got a busy week with Boston for four and then Baltimore, who's red hot for three, yeah. going in the All-Star break. But you got some momentum. You got, mm-hmm. you know, it's a successful, it's uber successful road trip at some tough places to play like, like Toronto and Boston. But, yeah, they just they weren't able to sustain it. Um, they got the pitching they didn't hit when they – Hit the ball, they didn't get the pitching, and and they still made mistakes on the bases. So, uh, the, then again, the worst of it was the injuries, and that's been the worst. That's going to be when we look back on this season, and whether whatever they do or don't do, if they make the postseason or they don't. Um, you know, first of all, if they make the postseason, it'll be I can't say miraculous. I've used that one, but I think if they, if really they win show, the AL East, it would be miraculous. That would be miraculous because <laughs> the Yankees are so far in front. Yeah, let's say that would be miraculous, but. Just making the postseason with this many injuries and kind of spackling it together would really be an accomplishment. I don't expect them to do much once they get there. It's going to but be you inter- never know. It's going to be interesting as the trade deadline comes up because this year you've got more teams making the playoffs, but you've got to play a three game series to start if you're not one of the top two seeds. That's right. So, for instance, in the AL East, presumably now all four teams outside the Yankees are competing for the are wild card spots because yeah. mm-hmm. Baltimore all of a sudden got hot and is in it. That's right. But how much are you willing to give up? to play three games to get a chance to then play either the one or two seats. Right. Right. You know, I mean, that's a good question. You know, so how much are you willing to mortgage of your future? 
you know, everyone wants the Rays to go out and get a bat or two or three. Yeah. But who and what are you willing to give up for that, knowing that you're going to go up against Boston or the Blue Jays or perhaps the Guardians or Mariners or for Orioles for three the games, the best of three yeah. series, right. for a chance to then go play the Astros or Yankees. Yeah, that's tough. You know, so it's going to be interesting what teams decide to do in that regard. You know, it's right. not like, I mean, at this point, the AL East looks out of reach, barring a oh, major yeah. collapse by the Yankees. Oh, yeah. You know, some of the other divisions may not be that way. The Guardians could catch the Twins. I mean, they're four and a half back. The Astros are 12 games up on the Mariners. The Yankees 15 up on Boston, and they're still playing tonight. They may be 14. Right. But, you know, so how much are you willing to give up if, if you're just trying to play for a, a best-of-three series against another wild-card team? I, and I, I think a lot, of, a lot of it depends. And, you know, I think you have to look at it this way, too, is that if the Rays expect to get their players back, you know, is that enough? In other words, you need a bat? How about Brandon Lau? You know, um, it might be six weeks or eight weeks, but at some point, Wonder Franco's coming back for the stretch run. Um, and I'm not saying they couldn't use one because I think the other thing that I noticed over the weekend, their catching is abysmal, and they traded for a catcher, which they desperately need. Um, but just from a receiving standpoint, they miss Zanino. They miss him bad. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from the 30 home runs he hit a year ago, I mean, they just miss they just miss him behind the plate. Well, even uh, not having you know, his offense this year has been, you know, he is not running into balls like he did last year. Right. But you'd still want him in there because you'd of still what he him. does with that pitching staff. Oh, you'd want him behind the plate because, you know, Frankie Mejia the other day um, was on one knee with a runner on third. And he boxed one. With a pitcher with those sliders, which is going to go to your side. Yeah, it's going to go to your knee side. And he's got it in the dirt and he can't move. And I'm like... That's just bad technique. You know, it's late in the game. He's probably tired, all that. And Frankie's not a big guy to begin with. Um, but just bad technique. The ball goes to the screen. And you're just like, you just you can't have that in that situation with a slider guy on the mound. He's got to be able to trust that if he spikes it from 55 feet, you're going to make the play. Um, and you've seen more and more of that with Mejia. He's just not a good receiver of the baseball. He doesn't frame the ball well. Um you know, he's a smaller target back there. There's just a lot of things. That, you know, he swings a bat okay at times, but um, they miss Zanino, uh, his defenses. And that just goes to show you how valuable that position is. We always talk about whether the race can't find a catcher that can hit. And Zanino hits 200, you take it, especially with 30 home runs, of course. Um, but really what he did behind the plate was even more important. And so they, they, they have to find a way to, to settle that situation right now because uh, Pinto and those guys are just not – they're not ready to be every day uh, or every other day major league catchers right now. So it's just – it's been hard, man. But if they – you know, if they get some of their guys back, if they're if they're optimistic that, you know, um, Margot's going to return and, you know, uh, Brandon Lau and maybe Josh Lowe starts hitting the ball consistently. And in other words, you've got guys, if they come back, that will be your extra bats that are not – there's five of them um, that are playing right now. Even Kevin Kiermaier – had his had his month, you know, where he was kind of carrying the team, but he can't stay on the field because that hip, which I would be very concerned with, a hip injury is not something that's going to get better with time necessarily, and there's not a lot of time in a major league season for Kiermaier who plays the outfield. So You realize he may yeah. have played his last game for the Rays. It's possible. You said that before the podcast. and I, his So his option, it's an option year, right? There's a $13 million option for next season, club option. 
or a buyout of two and a half million. And, and to me, there's no way they pay the thirteen million. As, as valuable as he's been throughout his mm-hmm. career here, I I just think that's way too much money for him. I I think it's it's going to be if he wants to stay, you sign a contract two years, seven eight mil a year. If he wants yeah. to stay, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, Finish they'll buy career. him out at two and a half million because they're they're not going to pay him thirteen million next year. No, no way. Some team might. Yeah. You know, if you're a team like the Yankees. Who can afford a bat that isn't as great in the lineup to put that yeah, kind of you defense want a plus, out there? Plus outfielder, yeah. You know, to put you know Stanton and Judge next to, right? You know, you could you could do that. You could you could pay them, right? So I mean, we'll we'll and you know, let's see how the hip is first too. Well, that's that's going to determine a lot of. But yeah. he may if he has surgery and he's out for the season, and we don't know that yet. It's possible. It's possible. We've seen the last of him. Yeah. Fan favorite for sure, and a great player. And he's thirty-one years old. His career seems to have gone by much faster than than anyone realized. But um, you know, and he's and he's you got to have him in the lineup. I mean, he's that he's he's one of these glue guys that you know can help you on defense and occasionally get the big hit for you. But you just like having him in the clubhouse and around the guys and setting the tone. And he's going to battle you. And you know, you need you need a lot of those players. So. Uh, the Rays are scuffling. They need the all-star break come sooner than it is, and, and um, we'll see what they can do against the Boston Red Sox. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we get out of here, I uh, just wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw this report, and I commented on Twitter about it, and they got picked up by Pro Football Talk. It's a slow time in the NFL, and this is how you know. But a guy that uh, that you may have hired at one time, Steve Versnick, in addition to me and Tom, Stan Cilio. I did not hire him. Oh, okay. You inherited him then. Right? I did, yes. Okay. Well, we replaced him, so that's all I know. But um, <laughs> irrespectful of that, yes. You remember Sills. <laughs> that guy. He had a report the other day that uh, seemed to indicate, without really going into any kind of detail or how he knew this or more speculative than anything, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, may have an interest in acquiring 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. I cannot, that was the gist of, of him saying that why not reunite Tom Brady and Garoppolo as they were in New England uh, before Garoppolo uh, left and went to San Francisco. And, and, I, I kind of made a case for it that didn't make any sense. I will just say this. I've had this discussion with the Bucks before. I mean, you remember there was a time when Tom Brady retired. I know it seems like a long time ago, and it didn't last very long. But when Tom Brady retired, the Bucks had a list of about nine quarterbacks that they were studying, and Garoppolo was not high on it. I don't even know that he was one of them. Um, I talked to some coaches about Jimmy G, and the word back to me was, uh, yeah, if you want to run it 40 times a game, he's your guy. But if he could throw a deep ball, they, he'd have won two two more Super Bowls by now. And then everybody said, well, he did win two Super Bowls. Yeah, he did as a backup with Brady. I get it. 
But as a starting quarterback, he didn't. You know, he couldn't make a deep ball throw against Kansas City in the Super Bowl he played in last year against the Rams. Uh, they had a 10-point lead. He couldn't close that one out either. So Jimmy Garoppolo is, as far as I know, and what do I know, I've only done this for a few years, is not even on the radar, folks, uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are obviously set with Tom Brady, um, and Blaine Gabbert is going to be the number two, despite Bowles trying to walk back with it you know, what Clyde Christensen had said. And then Kyle Trask is, is a developmental guy that probably this time next year we'll be talking about him uh, and maybe Gabbard or another veteran battling for the number one spot if, if Brady then, in fact, either retires or goes somewhere else. So um, I think personally, and there were some other reports that I kind of trust a little bit more that were out there, um, there's, there's a chance. I mean, Garoppolo's coming off his shoulder surgery, his left shoulder, which kept him really from being uh, – attractive or available to a trade the biggest thing is his salary etc but there's also been a report about Trey Lance has kind of a dead arm right now because they tried to change his throwing motion whatever he threw a lot in the offseason I don't think that the that the Niners are probably going to part with Garoppolo unless somebody blows them away um, I know they like to dump his salary I know they, they seem to be committed to Trey Lance but Kyle Shanahan has won a lot of games with with Garoppolo as his quarterback and he likes guys that sort of follow the script, and that's what Jimmy will do. So why would you weaken, if you think you're a Super Bowl contender and the 49ers do, why would you weaken the position just to trade him? I mean, Carolina has their guy. Where is he going? Is he going to Seattle? No, uh, Seattle seems set with Drew Locke and, and right. Geno Smith and whatever draft pick they get next year in a quarterback-heavy draft. Sure. And they're, you know, a lot of teams, I don't, I'm not saying they're tanking, but they're kind of tanking. A lot of teams realize that next year's draft is, is chock full of some really elite quarterbacks uh, from Alabama, from Ohio State, you know, um, and somebody's going to get a good run at them. So, yeah, I, I, I think because of his shoulder injury, because of the salary, because of a lot of things, and mostly he's just not a good fit for this team. And, and finally, let's not forget this. I don't think Tom Brady, even though he's really, you know, Tom doesn't have sort of like mortal enemies or anything in the league. I don't think Tom Brady's going to accept Jimmy Garoppolo coming in here being the backup. I mean, he is more than happy with Blaine Gabbert and the situation he has here in Tampa. Um, I actually thought that Baker Mayfield would be uh, maybe a better fit if somebody wanted to just give him away, but he's only signed for one more year. So even if Tom Brady were to leave, Baker Mayfield becomes a free agent, and why would he go someplace where he knows he can't play? What's well, the same with and Garoppolo? So what, He's a free agent next year, too. That's right. So, I mean, you're only if you're those guys and you have any control at all, you're going to try to pick a situation where you can go in as the starter uh, or be pretty certain that you have a chance to win that job, and that's not going to be here. So, Well, and if Garoppolo's here, let's play this out. You trade for Garoppolo. Yeah, sure. You're only going to trade for him if you're going to sign him long term. That's right. That's right. And you're if you saying do, that he's our quarterback yeah. after Brady. And if you do that, you're saying Tom Brady's not here next year. I mean, you're, you've closed you're the all, door you're on admitting that chance. as well, yes. You've closed yeah. the door on any shot of Tom Brady being your quarterback next season. Right, and we know, if, you know no one leaves the line on like Jason Light, pun intended, uh, for Tom Brady. So they are never going to close the door on him until he either has a microphone in his hand at Fox calling a game next year or he's That might not even close the, the light on it either. I mean, No, it might not. Why not? Because that that contract is essentially, you know, whenever you want to, whenever you want to end your career, we we got that job waiting for you. So yeah. Tom Brady calls week one games, goes, I can still play better than any of these <laughs> guys. Right. I'm going back. Screw it, I'm going back. Yeah, Fox <laughs> has to adjust. I mean, anything and with that guy, anything could happen. Same same with Gronk. You know, I saw a commercial for him about clothing and stuff. And I'm like, 
Yeah, you're keeping yourself in shape. You're going to get a call about week 10. He's doing the Eric Weddle plan. Uh, absolutely. And it's a good plan. You know, uh, hey. you know who is famous for that? New England. New England did that all the time. I think Junior Seau had a couple tours of, of duty uh, with New England late in the year. Came came in about week 10 and wound up playing for those guys at the end of the season. So, yeah, that absolutely could happen. But, yeah, my good friend Dan Cilio, sorry. <laughs> ah, you're just wrong um, about this one. And I'll stick to that story until somebody makes me right otherwise. But, anyway, it was a, it was a good weekend. Not so good for the Rays. Um, we got lots to talk about this week. Hopefully we'll have a chance to dive into uh, what's been a great three-part series by Matt Baker about the rise and eventual fall of the big three in uh, college football in Florida, Florida, Florida State, and Miami. I don't know if you checked that out. Um, Wonderful one series. we ran in print on Sunday. It's been great. So hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him. Your mailback questions always. You can get those in anytime. Send them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com catch up with somebody with the Rays we got lots going on of course Rays and the Red Sox begin their series and and that'll be interesting to see who shows up for that one as far as the Rays with their injuries and all that going on and it won't be long before the all-star break is here and oh yeah the Tampa Bay Buccaneers start training camp first practice this month July 27th I'm getting twitchy getting twitchy it's getting close very close what two weeks from Wednesday yeah, but who's counting except everybody, <laughs> me included? I'm telling you, and I'm also counting when school goes back because the kids are driving us nuts. Uh, that was uh, one month from yesterday. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, sorry for the voice. I sound a little bit like I call FM radio the slow roll of the podcast. I'm a little under the weather. I'm going to try to battle back and sound better tomorrow. But thanks for listening. For Steve Versing, I'm Rick of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 